Amen, amen. And Merry Christmas morning. How's everyone on a Christmas Eve? It's awesome. So good to see you. Um, welcome uh, to the bridge. Really pleased to have you here on Christmas Eve and uh, awesome to sing with you and to share with you this morning. So um, the title of my message is uh, Christmas Living in the Waiting. Living in the Waiting. So I have a question for you. Um, how many of you found yourself waiting this week? Waiting for something. All right, let me get a little bit more specific. How many of you found yourself waiting in a line this week? Yeah? All right, thank you. Waited in a line. Waited in a line at the post office. All the post office people, go ahead and raise your hands. Yeah? Nope. What are you? Y'all were like ahead of things? Y'all were, y'all didn't procrastinate? I'm impressed. Did you wait? Yvette waited. She had to wait. How many of you waited in line for a parking space? Parking space at the mall? Yes? All right, very good, very good. Uh, where else would you wait? Uh, how many of you waited, huh? The bank? Oh, to pay, yeah. Oh, that's right. You, yeah, they don't just let you walk out of stores with stuff. They don't, that's frowned upon, I hear. Um, so yeah, you had to wait in line to pay. That's good. How many of you waited? All right, here you go. I know everybody did this. How many of you waited in line at Starbucks to get something to help you deal with the reality of waiting? Yes? Come on, hands. It's all right. We in church. It's, a, it's, it's, it's all right. No for judgment-free zone. Good. Well, you may have found yourself waiting. And the truth of the matter is, we really do live in the waiting. There's a lot of waiting, especially around Christmas time. I like to, I like to think of it this way. What we do around Christmas time in the waiting dramatically impacts how merry of a Christmas we will have. Because you can deal with waiting in a very poor way. How many of you saw people deal with waiting in a very poor way? Yeah? Did you see the person in line who was about to strangle the people in front of them in line, right? Yeah. We, were, we went to a restaurant uh, yesterday and found ourselves waiting. And there are those in our family who wait better than others. I fall into the category of not being able to wait very good. And my wife informed me that I need to learn how to wait better, especially at Christmas time. But some of us will see how people don't wait very well, and we very well may be the people who don't wait very well. Here, I got one for you. How many of you saw yourself needing to learn how to wait better on 436 this week? Yeah, yeah. I-4? <laughs> Love Florida traffic. Love those drivers even more. So we really do live in the waiting. And what helps us to understand or what helps us to either have a Merry Christmas and bless others really hinges on how well we wait. Now on a bigger scale, you and I wait in, in the same way that, that long ago the people, of, the people of God waited on this promised Messiah to come. They had to live in the waiting. And they had to figure out, what are we going to do in this waiting? How do we wait well? Well, you and I, especially when you think about our church and who we are and what we're about, we live in the time before Jesus comes. We live in the waiting. And what will help us or what, what, what will help us deal with the reality of our waiting 
That's sort of the question. How do we wait well for the second advent of Christ? Well, I think that one of the best ways that we wait is when we do good for others. When we serve well, we wait well. In other words, it's not just about you and me who have the understanding and who have the truth about the soon Messiah, the soon Jesus, the, the king. He's, no, he's, he's the king who's coming back. Though we have that information, it's not enough for us to just sort of sit on our hands and wait for him to come back. We must wait well. And waiting well means serving well, giving well, loving well. That's the, exa- that's the example that Jesus set before it came. So I want to share with you a couple of stories that, uh, that highlight this idea that we wait and we wait well when we serve. And our church and our community of faith here at the Forest Lake Church want to be good waiters. We want to wait well. We want to, we want to anticipate the coming of Jesus. And when he comes, when he comes in the clouds, we want, we want to make sure that he sees us serving and waiting well. Not sitting on our hands. Amen? Come on, people. So, a couple of stories to share with you. I want to invite Rachel up. And I want to invite Gigi up. And the stories are much better when they come from these ladies than from me. So you need to hear it straight from them. Come up right up here in front so they can see y'all. Right over here. Yeah, right up front. Yeah. No. Give them. Come on. Come on, people. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. So um, these folks were part of making a real difference in our community. And we thought it would do, it would be really awesome just to share. Because a lot of times you don't know, you, you know, you think about well, what is the church doing around the holidays and what does the church do to serve the community? Well, here are legitimate stories of that reality. And so I'm going to start with Rachel. So talk to us a little bit, a little bit about what you did, how many people we involved from the church and um, what impact we, we made in the community. Can you talk to us a little bit about okay. that? Okay, and you keep me right. on track if I stray. No, you just, just do your thing. It's I all right. It's Christmas Eve. These people have nowhere to go. Merry they, Christmas. They're going to chill. It's so good to Amen. be together with right. you. I'm Rachel. This is Lauren Keller. I have more of a testimony to what I got to witness than what I was a part of. I was more driver and enthusiastic chaperone to Christmas in Reverse, which is what Pastor Mark Reams runs annually for our Youth of the Forest program. And Gigi kind of got things started behind the scenes and we were thrilled to be a part of an opportunity to serve families that had lower incomes and weren't gonna be able to provide Christmas. Some of what they needed for Christmas was the basics though. So the nature of this project is families are gathered that are reaching out asking for help. And when they reached out, the call was answered by Forest Lake Church and a great opportunity was given to the youth program. So Youth of the Forest has typically done Christmas in reverse with one to two families. This year we had nine, and they were nine awesome families. And the way it runs is the kids are notified that it's going to be Christmas in reverse. When they're supposed to show up, they show up. There's a pizza party in the Upper Youth Center. And there's opportunity. These are our church kids. These are our church kids. Seventh grade through twelfth grade. I think it's just for high school. Go ahead. But junior high can come with a parent. High school mainly is what Lauren was telling me. So they come together, we have pizza, it's all fun, a little bit of games, and then it's a call to service. Pastor Mark calls the kids into a circle, we have a prayer, and then these lists are handed out. The kids are broken up into groups, and you get this little piece of paper for each group, 
and on that paper is four, five, six, seven names, and it's the names of these families, and it's names of kids, and it's names of kids with their ages. Underneath it is their sizes. It's not a wish list like what my kids have written before. It's like shoes, size six, shirt, boys 10 pants, boys 10, 12, and then you kind of slowly watch the kids realize this is just clothes. This is just sizes of things that they just need. So that's kind of a sobering moment, but these kids are used to it. I wasn't, I get choked up easy. So I'm like, wow, this is neat. Then I realize I'm in for it because we're taking 60 high school kids to Walmart. And we're turning them loose with these lists and a budget and they accomplish it on their own and they do awesome. This is Lauren and she did an amazing job with her group fearlessly. We had to warn Walmart we were coming and it went well. So then they come back and the kids frantically wrap everything up and we're given an opportunity. Some of the kids were given an opportunity to actually help serve dinner to these specific families over at Lighthouse Church, another awesome ministry in the area. If you're looking for an outlet, if you're looking for an opportunity to make your blessings turn into your equipment to serve, that's a great ministry. Amen. We served dinner to those families. My favorite element was that the gifts that were assembled for these kids, and don't get me wrong, the shirts, the shoes, the clothes were assembled, but our budgetary wizards pulled in enough change to do toys. And the funds were raised by the kids themselves. They rolled quarters, they brought in birthday money, they brought in gifts from family. So this was funded by your young people. So it's, it's it amazing. Like you said, it's not just the parents giving the kid money. It's these guys have their own money, birthday money, money they've saved, and they say, hey, we want to serve, we want to give. Awesome. Absolutely. The, the gifts were then assembled in just black trash bags at, at dinner over at the Lighthouse Church, handed to the parents or the families that were in charge, the person that was in charge of these young people that were on our list in a black bag. So it's kind of incognito. Really, really cool because the kids that we're serving don't necessarily attribute our faces with who's got their back, but they attribute our faces to who came and had dinner with them and enjoyed Christmas, some Christmas fun with them. Awesome. I thought it was amazing and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunities for our young people. I'm grateful that we have that kind of opportunity at this church. Amen. Amen. So this is, this is kind of a multi-ministry uh, you know, sort of an approach because we have Gigi's with Family Ministries now. And if you guys didn't know that, Gigi uh, joins our, has joined our team in Pastor Barb's area of ministry to kind of lead out. And one of the real passions on the hearts of that team is connecting in the community. So Gigi, talk about the role that you played in this whole Christmas in reverse and partnering with Pastor Mark's ministry and everything. Um, basically what we, our part in that was just to pretty much organize the families together. I mean, they did all the work, they did an amazing job and I, I was really impressed. And so, um, we just pretty much organized the families. We got with family ministries, we got with Lighthouse and we, and we got the families together. Um, and that was half of our Christmas outreach of what we did. Um, along with those nine families, we were also able to adopt or sponsor nine other families. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, we had a Christmas, an angel tree out in the church lobby uh, for a few weeks. And the other nine families, their kids were on the angel tree. And so that was really nice because we were able to include and incorporate um, all of you guys. And uh, you guys did great. I mean, everybody took the tags and they bought the gifts. And again, like Rachel said, these are necessities. These are shirts and shoes and clothes and, 
and these and they're asking for food like that's what these families are asking for um, and and it was awesome it was great we were able to um, these families came from these are local low-income families that we that we got from a, a person who works with homeless and low-income families in Apopka so we had a few families from there we had a few families that were given to us by our gift and thrift families who have uh, reached out to the gift and thrift for some help um, we even had uh, families within our local church who are also in need um, within our church and other local Adventist churches as well um, and so that was that was really special too um, overall how many volunteers would you say you had involved in the project I would say with the people who got the tags and, and, and along with the Youth of the Forest, there was 150, maybe even 200 people that were able wow. to participate Amen. in Christmas. Amen. Yeah. Very cool. And along with Christmas, we also did a Thanksgiving outreach. Um, that was just a few weeks prior where we were able to include the Adventure Club. And um, we had six families there that we, that we sponsored for Thanksgiving and they were, um, all the, the adventurers collected all the food and we were able to provide six families with their entire Thanksgiving dinner along with a $50 gift certificate to Walmart. So that was pretty awesome too. Amen, amen. Yeah. Were you gonna add something here? <laughs> I was just glad to be part of the program. Awesome. <laughs> so Lauren was a part of it. What, what thing stands out to you the most, Lauren? What, what really impacted you? Um, that everyone in our group was so willing to be there and was happy to be giving back to our community. It just felt really nice. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you guys so much. We can um, you rest assured that there, there, there's always opportunities to engage. So if you want to engage, you want to um, you want to participate in how we serve the community as a church. Uh, please, please, please see one of these ladies, grab Pastor Mark, grab me. Um, we, we're always trying to figure out ways in which we can wait well and impact people and serve people well. So don't ever use the excuse that, oh, my church doesn't do anything. That's baloney, people, all right? You can be engaged, you can be involved, reach out, and we will make it happen. All right, amen. Thank you guys so much. Story in the book of Isaiah. If you turn to Isaiah um, chapter um, 8 in particular, it's a story of God's people, and it's a very dark time. And what we learn, what we learn is that God's people did not wait well. They cannot deal with the reality of their waiting. And the, re and the truth of the matter is they're actually in a very, very bad place. Um, God's people, uh, led by a king by the name of Ahaz, they found themselves in circumstances that, that God never intended for them to be in. And that tends to be the case. You read the Old Testament, God's people seem to always make these decisions that put them in places that aren't the greatest, right? And it's true for us too, right? You know, you think of your own life and how perhaps maybe you didn't wait well, and then you found yourself in circumstances that were pretty tough. And you began to wonder about where God was, where God is in your, in your circumstances, because you did not wait well. I mean, think about some decisions, perhaps even decisions that you've made very recently. If you had just waited, if we just had a little bit of patience, if we just waited on God, in fact, 
We're talking about the book of Isaiah. Uh, a lot of us have read that passage over in Isaiah chapter 40 that says, um, those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So the whole idea of, of waiting on God is very, very much a biblical thing. Uh, if you go to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 14, it talks about here, here's the patience of the saints, right? That, that implies awaiting. God's people, in the time before he returns, there's a certain level of patience and hope in the waiting that they have. How well do you wait? When we don't wait, when we don't wait on God in particular, we often find ourselves in circumstances that are extremely difficult. And then we're wondering where God is. That's where we find God's people when we get to Isaiah chapter 8. Uh, the guy, uh, King Ahaz has made this alliance with Assyria. Assyria uh, is not to be trusted, and God warned him through the prophet Isaiah about that. Don't trust this. Don't go your own way. Don't try to do your own thing. Wait on God. Instead, Ahaz runs, uh, run, runs ahead, does his own thing. And so when we come upon chapter 8, they're in a very, very dark place. Um, very, very dark place. The, the darkness is so real and so thick that it just, it's, um, it, it's imposing on God's people. There is no hope because there is no light. And they are struggling, man. And so God sends uh, Isaiah into this situation to begin to offer them a message of hope. That indeed this darkness won't continue. You put yourself here. You made foolish decisions. You consulted the wrong source of truth. And so you are here because of your own decisions. But thankfully, there is a God who, even though we don't wait on him, will often come through for us. Isn't that true? And so Isaiah steps back into the picture. Now, the book of Isaiah um, uh, is a great book. In fact, the the name Isaiah, Isaiah's name literally means uh, God, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. A lot of theologians refer to Isaiah as the fifth gospel because, the good, because of the good news, because of, of how prominent Jesus plays in the book of Isaiah. So people refer to it as the fifth gospel. Jesus himself in the New Testament quotes the book of Isaiah about eight times. Isaiah is a major force particularly in the Old Testament, but particularly as he shines a light and he, he's writing about 700 years before Jesus as he, as he lives in anticipation of this one who would come and rescue his people. He is telling the Christmas story 700 years before it would ever happen to bring hope to a people who have gotten themselves into a terrible jam because they could not wait well, how well do you wait? How well do you live in the waiting? Some of us probably spent way too much money on Christmas presents because we couldn't wait. We had to have it. 
had to have it now. And so come January, when the credit card statement comes in, whoo, you're going to be like, Lord, I should have waited, right? <laughs> sure wish I had waited, God, because that 29% I'm going to pay now <laughs> in the new year is going to kill me. The same is true with God's people. And here's the thing. When it's dark in life, when there is no light, we struggle to find our way. And we'll reach for anything. We'll look to very poor sources of truth to try and make some sense out of the dark circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that is true of God's people here. So Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. Listen to what Isaiah says to this group of people, God's people, who find themselves in a very bad place. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful, fearfulness and gloom and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Do you see a theme going on there? Darkness, darkness, darkness. If you, in the midst of your dark circumstances, turn to darkness, which is what God's people did, you will can only find yourself confused and in greater darkness and disoriented. It's crazy what we do when we can't see. When, it's, when, when, we've placed, when we put ourselves in circumstances where things are really, really hard and we, we can't seem to find our way, and then we turn to other sources of truth, other places that appear to maybe have a little bit of light, and we'll latch on to that. And that's what's happened to God's people. They've gone to other, other sources. They've reached out to try and make sense of What's going on with them? They ignored Isaiah. He came along. He was telling them, hey, this is, this, is the how, this is how you should do it. This is the way you should go. And now as they sit in judgment under God, they're struggling to figure out what to do. But here's the thing. God is good. God is good. God, because he is gracious and merciful towards us, never, ever, ever leaves us in the dark. Isn't that good? God never leaves us, regardless of how we got ourselves in the dark to begin with. Despite the fact that we ignored his warnings, we may very well suffer under his judgment. There's no question about that. But God never leaves us in the dark. And he longs for us never to choose to stay in the dark ourselves. But he promises light. He promises truth. He promises a way out. So you can't miss this. Here comes the light part. Here comes the part where hope begins to step in. Chapter 9, verses 1, two and th 1 and 2. He says, nevertheless. That's a great word, isn't it? Nevertheless. 
the previous verses at the end of chapter 8, really, really dark, really, really, really bad. Nevertheless, holds out hope. That's a great word. That's a great transition word. When things are going rough in your life, when things don't, when darkness is at its height in your life, pray that there's a nevertheless, because generally that means something really good is happening. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. There will be no more gloom. For those who were in distress in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, ah, it's bad right now, living in the waiting. It's dark right now, living in the waiting. But he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness. That was them back then, and that very well may be you and me right now. If darkness hasn't happened to you yet, it will come. It will come. In many ways, collectively as a people, we, we wait in darkness. There are pockets of light. Praise God. There are pockets of light. The Gigi story and the Rachel stories and the other stories that go throughout that are in our church. There, are, there is light. And I pray that as we live in the waiting, this church is a huge light, right? So Jesus talked about. You are the light of the world. And we very well, we very well better live up to that reality. He says there is hope to come. There is hope to come. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of, sh of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. That's Christmas. That's what he speaks of. He says, a little baby will come and it will be the light that you need in the darkness that has overwhelmed you. And thankfully, that little baby didn't remain a baby, right? <laughs> Don't get stuck at the Christmas card that shows Mary and Joseph and the little baby in the manger. That's just one scene in the episode of the Savior's life. Because thankfully, the Savior grew up. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And ultimately, he would, he would travel a road to hang on a cross to give his life for many. To indeed be the Savior. To save us from the darkness, and to bring us hope. He is the light. He is the reason that we can wait in anticipation of his soon return, of his second coming with hope, even though there's much darkness. Even though there's much darkness. God doesn't leave us in the dark. I would add this. I would add this. God doesn't leave us in the dark. And he's also given us all that we need to know to live in the waiting while we're in the dark. In other words, he won't leave us in the dark. And what he gives us and what he reveals to us and what he shows to us is enough to get us through 
The problem with being in the dark is sometimes you feel like you just don't know. You don't know when it's going to end. You don't know what's coming next. You just don't know. And God comes along. He says, no, 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 no. Don't believe that for I've given you everything that you need to get through living in the waiting. So don't go looking for anything else. Don't follow the example of Ahaz. Don't, don't form alliances with things that are only going to backfire on you. Don't trust in sources of truth that really will only lead you to error and more darkness and more pain. Trust the baby who became a man. Trust the baby who was the light that came into your darkness and reveals your way, even when he doesn't make sense. You can trust him. God doesn't leave you in the dark and he always gives you what you need to live in the waiting, even in the midst of your own darkness. All right, so a little bit of vulnerability here. This is probably way too much information, but I'll close with this. When I was a kid, um, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, Sure, I've mentioned that a million times, but um, I was a I was a bedwetter. I really did. I we're talking Niagara Falls, baby. Just whew, just terrible. And um, I remember being very conscious of that and and believing. And my parents were very they were, they were hard on me. They're like, you better no more. And I remember um, being very concerned about that and not wanting to make any more messes. So I would get up multiple times at night to go to the little boy's room, right? And it wasn't terribly far, but I had to go down a little bit of a hallway in our house. And um, I remember it always being dark. And not only was I a bedwetter, but I was terribly afraid of the dark, all right? Just a mess, right? So not only would you have to get out of the bed, but then I got to walk down a dark, dark hallway to go to the bathroom multiple times during the night, right? To avoid any accidents. Terrifying time. But I always knew at Christmas time, at Christmas time, the Christmas tree in the living room would be on. And I always knew the little bit of light from the Christmas tree would shine into the hallway that I would have to walk down to go to the bathroom. And so at Christmas time, I felt a whole lot better about things because I knew the light the light would be on. And I'd have a little bit of light to light my way as I made my way to that little boy's room. Jesus is indeed the light. He is the promised one that will come into whatever dark corner you've painted yourself into. And if you trust in him, if you hang on to him, if you, if you, if you trust the light that he gives you, You'll live well as we live in the waiting. Let's pray. Father God, I know we're going to sing in a little bit, but Father God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the blessings of this season. Thank you for the power of your light to penetrate this dark place. May you bless us with the gift of being able to live well, the patience to live well while we live in the waiting. We trust in you. We believe in you. We know, God, that you give us everything we need to have and should have as we wait upon you. But God, may you be a light to us. And may we trust in that light. In Jesus' name, amen.